Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 66 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Saitama, and I'm joined here by my shrewd co-host, former market maker, 20 years and current day retail trader, a man who's familiar with the difficulties of life. You couldn't walk a mile in his Ferragamos. The man never worried about the outcome, only his income. Of course, I'm talking about JJ. How's it going, man? Brother, how are you doing? Good. I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. And I'm uh, excited for our guest. This is, um, this is a guy who uh, first gave me my introduction into poker. Uh, really, this is a man. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, a man who turned $86 into $2.5 million. Uh, a man who's credited with the jumpstarting the poker boom. 2019 inductee into the Poker Hall of Fame and America's card room sponsored pro. I am talking about a digital horse and stable owner, Chris Moneymaker. Chris, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, interesting how we got here, huh? Buying digital horses is sort of how this all came to be. That, that, that sure is. It sure is. It, it, it's funny. This is a, uh, yeah, like I said, this is a good one for me, man. I was, when you won the main event, it was, what was it, 03? I believe. Oh, three, 19 years ago. Yeah. Incredible. I, I was, I was 12 years old, but I like, I, I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. But, but what, what a legendary tournament. I, I mean, just, just like from, from the broadcast, um, I, I remember it so well from you knocking out Ivy to the heads up to the bluff you ran on, on Sammy. Um, man, just, 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 you know, just the, it brings back so much memories how often, like, do, do people like, you know, like myself, give you like credit for their introduction into poker? I imagine it happens quite often. Yeah, I mean, of course it happens often, especially if you're if I'm in a you know gambling environment, casino environment, or um, anything poker related. Um, then yeah, it's going to happen quite a bit. I'll say that during this weird period that we're going through with quarantine, I haven't been out of the house a whole heck of a lot, so mm -hmm. um, it's been more. Uh, obviously everything's digital everything's from home uh, playing a lot of online poker i do some home games but you know i just haven't had a ton of interaction with people in the last year and a half so it's been kind of weird um but yeah back you know a year ago yeah, it was absolutely insane when I, I always tell people i have the perfect amount of celebrity if i want to be recognized and want to you know have fans i can go to an environment where i have fans <laughs> if i don't i can go anywhere else and no one recognizes me no one bothers me wow. so i've got a pretty normal face it, it was about 60 pounds less than this before covid but um you know i got a pretty normal face pretty average person i guess nothing that's really sticks out other than my belly anymore um so yeah i don't really get recognized a whole lot i get always hey i know you from somewhere like they, they can't quite place where they know me from yeah, yeah. No, I like that. That's funny. You had the, the perfect amount of celebrity. Uh, you know where to go. Also, I mean, Chris, what was it like, you know, from being an accountant, just, you know, just everyday person being unrecognizable to having that? What was that whole like transition like for you? Honestly, it was really tough because I mean, you know, being an accountant and just being who I am, I'm, I'm more of the you know, you go to a party, I'm the guy in the back that's sort of, you know, the wallflower. I'm not the life of the party, I guess. I'm not the one that's a social butterfly. I have a, a group of friends, and that's pretty much who I hung out with. Public speaking was the biggest fear of my life. Like, if even doing something like this mm -hmm. um, 20 years ago, I would have been petrified. I would have had butterflies. It would have been miserable. 
Um, I, so I win the tournament. They interview me right away, and I don't even know what I said anymore. I was so nervous. I was more nervous during the post-game interview than I was actually <laughs> playing the tournament. And then I get a phone call from David Letterman saying, hey, we want you to go on the Letterman show. And I'm like, nope, cool, not happening. There, no way. My friends talked me into it, and um, probably the worst experience I've ever had, one of the worst experiences I've ever had other than bungee jumping in my life. Really? Um, but it was honestly baptism by fire. I, I got through it and um, developed into a pretty good, you know, I'm comfortable now. I don't, I don't have a problem, you know, doing interview speaking and things like that. So um, it's definitely made me come out of my shell and made me grow. But in the beginning, yeah, it was really tough, um, especially for someone that wasn't in the limelight or, you know, even amongst most people, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that was sitting upstairs in the office doing working behind a computer. Um, I wasn't a server or bartender or whatever out in the public eye very often. So um, it was a big transition for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. So a reminder to the listeners, if you guys would like to join JJ, myself, and a supportive community of traders, join us at microefutures.com. <clears throat> Chris, how were you received by the, you know, the established guard of poker once you won? What was the reception like from them? Um, to be honest, you know, everybody's like, yeah, lucky donkey won. Um, it was you know, amateur wins another main event. He'll be gone in two years and mm -hmm. we'll never hear from him again. Um, that was kind of, you know, whenever an amateur did win, they would get a year or two of notoriety and sort of fade off into the sunset. There's quite a few of them. So it was, you know, Mike Manisau actually went on, you know, he said something like, oh, here goes another donkey winning the main event. Um, and so it took some time for them to realize that I actually know what I'm doing and I can play the game and, um, you know, I, I've, the thing about poker is you don't want your opponents to think you can play. I mean, I, I, I rep lived up the aw shucks. I'm lucky for <laughs> 15 years. I mean, and you know, I've, I kind of can't do it too much anymore, but I still try. I mean, now that I'm streaming and people see me play and, um, you know, they know that I'm half, you know, I've got a brain at least, so I'm not, you know, complete idiot, but yeah, in the beginning, it was, uh, you know, Chris is terrible. He got lucky. You know, this is, you know, the worst main event champion of all time. And uh, so I was actually eating it up. I thought it was funny. And I got a kick out of it because the second tournament I played, I ended up getting second place. Um, so at this point, you know, my head is like this big, like I'm king of the world and everybody else thinks I'm terrible. And so that didn't really mess with reality too well. Um, as the time progressed, my head shrunk because, I started coming back to earth with variants and people started realizing I'm a little bit better than what they thought. So kind of met somewhere in the middle and I guess that's where we are today. And that's where we are. Can, can you describe Chris, just what that, that era of poker was like, I, you know, not even just like from a technical standpoint, but the, the media tension, uh, the whole lifestyle, it's a, a little different than the current environment. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was rock star status back then. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it was, you know, we had Maxim and Playboy parties and, uh, you know, whatever magazine, FHM, I think was, you know, the big magazine back then. They had, they threw the big parties before the main event. Um, we, we would show up and there would be, you know, thousands of people waiting in line for autographs and pictures. I would go do charity events and there'd be NFL players there, NBA players there, all the, the kids and everything willing to come play poker with me and not talk to the athletes. It was just, it was a very surreal time. Um, and, you know, TV, internet, all this contributed to this just extreme boom in poker. I remember, you know, we had stripper poles with strippers on them going to the 
going to the tournament. We had a, it was a circus for a while. It was it was a unique experience. But uh, obviously, we had uh, Black Friday, which is they basically outlawed U uh, online poker in the U.S. for uh, many years, and that took away marketing dollars, that took away TV time, and that made it to where we are now, where. You know, we're not cool anymore. We're older guys, you know, but I will, I will say the the people that most people resonate with and remember are people from my generation. Um, yeah. Cause that's when we got most of the TV time and that's where most of the people started. So um, as a community, we're getting older. There's not as many younger players coming in because of the black Friday issue. So, you know, most of the people coming in now, you know, that would be coming into poker started going into DFS, esports. Yeah trading nft you know what there's all of these other avenues that people can get into now where when i was 20 or when i won and people were 20 years old it was basically online poker and poker and that was it there wasn't a whole lot of, you know you had season-long fantasy which was okay but no it wasn't like it is now where you know every five seconds you have a commercial for DraftKings or FanDuel telling you to sign up and donate money to all the good players that do that yeah and that's what i think because uh, you've seen people um you know move on from poker and have success in other areas and i feel like even you know for myself transition to trading and i say this all the time on the podcast is i feel like poker was such great training grounds for other areas in life uh you would you would agree yourself well in poker players you know contrary to what most people believe there actually is winning poker players let me qualify this winning poker players are really smart individuals mm -hmm. it's a really tough game you have to have really thick skin you have to have a short memory all the things that you need for trading sales um anything really relate relates to a poker player so basically every person i play against is a customer of mine i want a, a customer i want to make them feel comfortable i want them to enjoy the experience when i take their money um you know, I have bad runs just like anybody else. And I have to, you know, be strong mentally. I can't, you know, get frustrated and just quit. Um, you know, there's so many things that prepare you for life after poker that, yeah, it's a, it's a, there's so many facets to the game that you can draw from and take into your next profession. And, you know, like trading, for example, is, you know, I know a ton of traders have moved on from, from poker to trading and, you know, it's, a lot of it has to do with, you know, nerves of steel and being willing to have diamond hands and not, you know, fold under the pressure. And, uh, you know, especially for crypto the last couple of days, it's pretty important. Yeah, yeah, it is. And we'll definitely touch on some crypto. I, I, I want to ask you, Chris, you know, once you won the, the you know, main event, 2.5 million, um, I'm sure you probably put some aside, hey, poker bankroll now um what type of investments so you you went uh, i'm assuming you did some um investments yep i went broke uh, about nine months later um really really yep I had a divorce gave it all to my ex-wife um we had a kid i didn't want to pay child support so i just gave her everything up front i just said take it um because i don't want to have to deal with the payments so i was broke after nine months um the one caveat is i got to keep my business deals and i got to keep my future earnings um in poker so okay. i gave up all my current assets for future revenue growth and um so i had to slowly but surely build it back i knew i had the the poker knowledge and the poker skill to to do it to make it back and uh you know wow. thankfully, thankfully that, worked out. that was the right move and even like in hindsight that was that was still the correct play in your opinion yeah, it's definitely the right play. It, it it's it really was terrible making it. Obviously, you know you don't want to just give up all that money. But in, at the end of the day, 
they were taken care of and I was able to go out and not have that burden hanging over me and be able to, you know, do my job and, you know, because in poker, it's really important once you have a bankroll to be able to manage that bankroll. And if it, mm-hmm. you have so many things pulling from your bankroll all the time, it, it's tough to grow it. Yeah. So, you know, you got to start with a good bankroll and then you got to build it and you have to maintain it. And uh, I was able, well, I mean, to be honest, anything from 03 to like 2010, you could just print money playing poker. It was so easy. Like you could take the a guy off the street, I could teach him how to play poker in like three hours, send him to the casino, he could make money. It was just, it was so easy. If you couldn't make money during that time, then you probably never should have been playing poker. Um, obviously, in the last nine or so years, it's gotten a lot tougher and it's, it's a very difficult game now. There's been so much development as far as theory and uh, teaching and everything else going on out there that you have. It's really, it's a difficult game now. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of like trading, uh, you know, I asked someone, you know, I want to be a trader. Um, what do I need to do? And they said, well, you need to have at least two years worth of bankroll that you can lose to learn uh, because that's what it's going to take. You can't just go into trading and be successful. You have to go, you have to learn the ropes. And um, it's kind of the same way in poker now. I mean, you got to go through the, the motions and, uh, figure out, you know, what all the plays mean. You have to study a lot. You have to work on it. Uh, where again, back in the day, honestly, it was, I mean, it, a blind squirrel with no skill whatsoever could, you know, make money in poker. It was just, it was a dream. So, um, yeah, it was definitely the right maneuver and um, it worked out okay. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. You know, because I was thinking to myself, and this was one of the questions I wanted to ask you, is that, like, I, I'm sure there was, like, a after the win, there was, like, almost like a coming back down the earth type of moment from you know from that high of the win it was that was like the moment for you like this you what you just described i honestly i've never had to come back back from the ground moment i you know i get to wake up every day and play poker for a living so um i love the game um i'm not a fan like i don't watch it on tv i don't know i couldn't tell you who won the main event last year i couldn't tell you who won whatever tournament or couldn't tell you a bunch about players that are on tv or or, but i like playing the game i I think it's a very good strategy game i love the strategy of it i love um setting up traps and you know the actual playing and so i get to do that every day and um so when you do something that you love it's not really work i get you know i i don't really come down from a high i'm always in a good mood again i get to wake up when i want work when i want do what i want uh you know it's kind of the the epitome of the dream i guess yeah yeah absolutely love to hear it awesome so like you mentioned earlier chris uh the reason we connected was was through digital horses you you bought i thought you only bought one but now i i i hear you bought two horses uh little I know, well i bought four but i bought two of the expensive ones two of the expensive ones i the z1s correct i got two z1s i got a philly and a a, a male and a female z1 and i accidentally raced my mare um, which I didn't mean to, um, I don't know how that happened. It was late at night, but, um, thank goodness she had really good odds and she won the race. So she's officially retired. Okay. I haven't raced my Colt. Um, I don't plan to, if they ever open up breeding season, we'll, we'll, we'll get, you know, it does stink to, I mean, I spent like 80 K on these two horses and I haven't touched them for two weeks. Yeah. 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 This is interesting. I, I didn't nearly spend as much money as you. Um, I, I got a, Sick I got Greg. a few- I got some like Z5s, Z6s in there. I got a few of them. Um, uh, interesting. It's fun. I, I got in there. I raced them a little bit. So, so you're you're in the camp of you, you don't want to race them. You're just pure, just like flip 
like uh, going to flip the horses or what well, was Z eight and a Z four to race? Cause I, I wanted to okay. race. I mean, I wanted to have some fun with it. Um, yeah. So I bought a Z eight and a Z four, the Z four couldn't outrun my dog. Um, the Z eight's actually decent. It, it has a positive ROI, but my, my Z four runs six every time. It's like, that's the, the, in this racing game, you want to either be first or last. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to be in anywhere in the middle. Cause it basically gives you the middle finger. That's where mine runs right in the middle. Every time it's, yeah. it's, it's for sale, by the way. <laughs> it's a beautiful horse. It's nice and pink. It's beautiful. I'll give it to you relatively cheap. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> beautiful. No, 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 uh, no money marker, uh, money maker markup on, on that one either. Yeah. No, no. There's going to be money maker markup on the offspring of the good ones, but this one, yeah, we're going rock bottom pricing. We're, we're, this one's priced to move. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, um, you know, you, Chris, I, uh, I really love the project. I, I love, I think like they put a lot of thought into it. I, I think it has, I like that there are, you know, it's a, it's a skill game there. There there's different layers of strategy that can go into it. Um, you know, maybe explain to listeners what, uh, what made you spend so much money on a digital horse? Some people listening might be like, what the hell? This guy's just a straight up degenerate. Like just what? So, well, they, they're not wrong. Well, they're not, that's not totally wrong. Probably. <laughs> But yeah, what, what possessed you to, to spend that much money on a digital racehorse? Well, I got it. I got into Top Shot, and I was about a week early before the peak, so I saw the big spike, and then I saw the drop, and I'm I'm holding about average what I got now, but I really fell in love with the NFT space, and I wanted to to do more in it, so I I found uh, OMI, and I invested a lot of in OMI, which hasn't worked out very well yet, but it will. I think I it hope. will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to be a really good, good coin. And so I invested a lot in that. And then I started getting into, I, I wanted to try to find things that are up and coming and the new ones come out. Cause you, you see the, the punks, the kitties, the top shot, everybody that got in early turned into multimillionaires from just getting in early and holding. So I saw this racing thing. I thought I would get in early and I didn't obviously cause I spent 80 grand on two horses. So I didn't get in too damn early. Um, but I think I'm in early. I hope I'm in early enough uh, where this, you know, them having a use function for the horses and the fact that the Genesis are limited edition, like they're not going to, you know, I, whenever I go into something, I always try to buy the best. I don't want a ton of, you know, Z8, Z4s. I want the premium. I'm going to pay for the premium, but I think that's going to hold us value over time. So if I'm going to get burned, I'm going to get burned big, but if I hit, I'm going to hit big is sort of the idea. Um, but I'm always looking for new NFT projects. I, I really think NFTs are the, the way of the future. I could definitely see my kids um, or future kids, you know, going into school and how we used to trade baseball cards or stickers or whatever you, you know, swipe your phone and you give someone a, a, a digital moment or NFT and they give you one back. And I could see that being the new way of trading and you can, you know, display your, your uh, NFT in, in different formats. Um, I love what, again, OMI is doing with the augmented reality. And um, I just think it's, I think it's the future. I think it's um, where we're headed. Um, I think virtual reality is going to be a thing. Um, so anything that has to do with this new technology, I'm all on board. And so that's why I, I spent so much. I think they have so many good partnerships down the line. They just announced one with the Preakness. Yeah. Um, they, they have, you know, talking about sponsored races, they're building a, they got their headquarters in whatever the sandbox and the central land or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they've got a lot of good people behind it and I'm excited about the project. And I think it's going to have legs. And um, if it does take off, then I've, you know, I've made some money. If it doesn't, then I just 
spent 80 K on fake horses. Yeah. <laughs> as just as somebody who's completely green to this and is learning on everything that you guys are talking about. So say, say you sell this stuff at a loss. Can you, is that a capital loss that you can take on your taxes? Yeah, it's capital loss, capital gain, just like anything else. Okay, just, cool. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, it, you know, anything that, you know, so for the top shot, for example, every time that you buy a top shot, I'm basically taking money out of crypto and, and making a purchase. So I have to report that as, you know, as a sale or a purchase of Got it. this asset, basically. So whenever I sell it, you know, if I sell it at a loss, then I take the loss. And so, you know, I've had a pretty good year. So if the, the racehorses don't work out, then. Yeah, I, I will have some some tax deductions, which you know I, I'll need this year at least. Oh, well, always, look at the, always look at the good side. Yeah, well, exactly. I was I'm a trader. I always try and weasel a way out, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> you got to. This is, I'm learning. I'm learning because you know I'm 53, so everybody my age, you know, they're not early adopters. I missed the whole crypto thing, right? Because I I just didn't understand it, and I didn't take the time to understand it. Right. And not because I didn't think it was real or anything like that. I just didn't take the time. So, uh, you know, keeping an open eye for older guys is, is, is very important. Otherwise you miss some really nice capital opportunities. So this is very interesting stuff. It's um, I'm learning a lot here. Yeah. I'm 45 and I'll be honest, I would never know anything about any of this stuff either. Um, if it wasn't for poker and about, and, you know, poker keeps me young. It's a young man's game. Even though a lot of people play, when you start playing online, it's a lot of young guys and a lot of people I teach and, and help. They're all younger and they're always pointing me in, you know, these different directions. So I would be in your boat and I've got a lot of friends. Anybody that doesn't play poker, that's my friend there. They look at me like I'm freaking insane, um, yeah. you know, and they, well, they don't understand it. Like when I bought Bitcoin, they're like, you're, you're an idiot. Yes, I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Right. Well, that's why I have Ray. Right, because he keeps me informed. Yeah, he was twelve when I won. Damn. <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah, you, you're the one who got me on my my degenerate kick. Like, oh, this guy can win. Okay, anyone can win, right? Like, That's it. That's the whole thing. If this idiot, if this dumb bumpkin from Tennessee can win, anybody can do it. Well, that can't even be his real name, moneymaker. I remember thinking that at the time. I'm like, oh, it's just a it's a pseudonym or something. But yeah. It's yeah, one of our people was asking, is that, you know, was that your real name? And also being that you were an accountant. Yeah, we uh, just actually did an April Fool's joke this year where I finally unveiled that my real name's not Moneymaker, it's Smith. And I showed my license with Smith. And I can't tell you how many people I got messaging me saying, I knew it wasn't your real name. And, I, you know, I can't believe I fell for this. And, you know, I, I, at least 100 messages. And they just forgot to check that it was April 1st. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it is pretty surreal that, you know, it's so easy to believe that it's not my real name. But yeah, it, I got really fortunate with the profession, with the last name and with the good looks. I just, you know, all, <laughs> just the, the perfect combination there. Chris. Exactly. Perfect. Combination. Lightning struck twice. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, but back to back to your point where you were saying with NFTs, with the kid, with your kids, you can see your kids um, getting into it. I, I think the same thing. I could see my son and just I already like. um Maybe I use him as like a testing, right? I, I had him hop on the Central Land, tell because it, it to me it, it it seemed very reminiscent of like Roblox. The kids love Roblox. They love Minecraft, Sims, and I can see this. I could see the you know as our children get older, this is something that's easily adopted for them. It, um, so yeah, uh, I bought my my son some baseball cards. I bought a, he was a big Steph Curry fan. I bought him some you know physical cards. 
for displaying his room and he looked at him he's like yeah i don't want that and then he saw the top shot and he's like oh that's cool i'm like all right well <laughs> this is where we're headed I guess. this is where we're headed yeah yeah well what were your thoughts chris when you first heard about crypto and then what are your thoughts now um, well, when I first heard about it, I thought it was just a great opportunity to get into something relatively cheap and had a chance to do something. I wasn't really a big maximalist. I wasn't a big believer that was going to be the future of the world. But at the same time, um, you know, I knew that the government can print money and eventually we could run into inflationary issues and this would prevent that. It would be a sort of a stopgap against it. Um, so I invested in it more of a hedge against everything else that I had going on. Um, and as time has progressed, I don't know what coin's going to be, but there's going to be one of these coins that's going to be the future of money. We're going to use it to spend everyday life. I'm hoping it's not do Doge or Dodge. Please don't let it be that coin. But, yeah, um, you know, there, there's going to be one of these coins. It's not going to be Bitcoin. Bitcoin's going to be like gold, I guess, the store of value or whatever. But there's going to be some coin that's going to have a good use function that we're going to be able to use every single day for every purchase. And uh, it's going to probably be, end up being the worldwide tender after the U.S. government continues to print money like it grows on trees, literally. Um, so I'm a big believer in it now. I, I think it's going to take over the world, um, is my opinion. I think it's going to become the world standard. And, um, you know, it might not be for another 20 years. I don't know. But um, it definitely scares me with what's going on in the U.S. particularly. Uh, but then you have other countries, you know, Venezuela, Look, you know, their toilet paper is worth more than their printed money. Um, you know, there's, you know, hyperinflation all over the world in different, different parts of the world. And, uh, you know, we live in sort of the lap of luxury here where we don't have that yet, but it can very easily happen. And I think crypto's, you know, the answer to it. So I want, at least I want to be involved in it. I want to have a piece of it and I want to be prepared if, uh, bad things happen. Absolutely. You mentioned OMI, which I'm a, a big fan of. I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, the the app of Aviv or V. I, I don't know how to pronounce. I don't, it. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah. But yeah, well, you mentioned to the augmented reality. Another thing, because I, I got some of like the Batman and the Batman characters, and my another thing, my son loves the, you know, because we can take pictures with Batman. We can, uh, you know, things like that. It's it's fun. It's a good use case, and I could see how me and him bond over it as well uh not, you know not to backtrack from the the conversation but so you like omi um you know just for listeners any other uh coins that uh you yourself are you're big on my, my biggest bag is omi but i'm in solana as well um i think it's how you pronounce okay. it solana yeah, Sol. sol right yeah sol yep i mean uh i believe that's going to be uh the future of you know the, the future ethereum or whatever i think you know it's growing it's it was doing really well and i think it's it's that, that's my second biggest bag um, you know, I try to understand the coins and make sense of them to where they serve a function more than anything else. I mean, I'll say back in the day, I had just invested in any altcoin that came along because, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I invested in OMG, Waves, which they're all doing really well by now, right now, but I don't have any of those bags anymore. Mm. I, I bought them when they were at their peak and watched them dive in 2018. And I said, I'm not doing any alts anymore. I'm sticking strictly with Ethereum and strictly with Bitcoin. And, you know, obviously we hit a really big bull run. And so I started diversifying a little bit. And my biggest one I went out and, and got was OMI. Then I got Soul. And I looked at Audios. I looked at Theta. I looked at Chili's or uh, whatever it is, CHZ. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. um, I looked at, at those. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'd love to find another one that's, you know, under a penny that has the potential to go to a dollar. Um, obviously, we're all looking for that. 
and uh you know i think online has that potential um that's why i kind of put as much as i did into it um and obviously i'm always looking for the new one but i just don't want to invest as much as i did in OMI. i'm happy with my investment even though it's tanking right now i expect it to tank and that's fine i'm i'm a you know i've been through the crypto ring enough to know you know like to, everybody was panicking yesterday and i'm just like yeah whatever you know, i wasn't selling or buying you know anyways you know so what does it matter you're just holding anyways right 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 yeah it's like, it, like these i mean especially being a poker player too i, I feel like the, these like moves it's like okay i mean you know what i mean like we're, we're used to these things by now it, it's nothing um yeah if you've been hit with a river card that cost you you know a hundred thousand in equity or whatever it is you, you know you're not really worried about a 30 percent drop i mean it's just it's part of life. I mean, it's all one big game, you know, the one thing, you know, but it does help. I, I don't have so much of my equity, my, my, my bankroll and it, that it, it affects me that much. I mean, you know, I have security set aside for the family and that obviously is the biggest thing. I think, you know, if you're a trader, if anything, as long as you have the essentials taken care of at home, everything else gets so much easier. Yeah. 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 Bankroll management first and foremost, risk management. Um, what what have been your thoughts, Chris? Um, this you know, I guess this week, this whole uh, Elon Musk not not being a fan of BTC no more. You know, it looks like the whole crypto community is upset with him. Uh, what, you have any thoughts around this? Well, it's it's funny because I literally I bought a Tesla a week ago, two weeks ago. Oh, did you? Okay. I have a I put the order in and I'm supposed to get it next month. And he came out and you know bashed Bitcoin and I was like mother. You know, I'm going to go see what, I was, you know, there, there's other other uh, cars out there that I can go buy. I don't have to buy a Tesla, you know, screw him. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I was like, yeah, I can just buy more Bitcoin at this price, I guess. And, um, you know, it, it's it, it's amazing to me that one person can manipulate the market so dramatically. It just blows my mind. And I'm sure that's not the only reason, but I don't understand why the crypto market does what it does. But when you see someone like Elon tweet and it goes through the roof or down, you know, depending upon what he says, it looks pretty solid that he's controlling this market. And it's got to be nice to be the guy that, you know, is sort of the king. He, if he wants to invest cheaper, just send out a bad tweet. Um, but it's been a, a weird week this week. I'll say that. It has. Yeah. Yeah. King of the castle. And I know like this is on me and, um, you know, JJ, you you've been you've been alluding to this for a while, and and I remember uh, our good friend Chris Hanks. Uh, Chris, he's a, he's a former um, options, well, not former, he still trades options, but he was from the floor of the uh, in Chicago, uh, the CBOE, and he called Elon the greatest um, stock promoter of all time. JJ, oh, he is, or the greatest you pump know? and dump guy. I mean, because like you said, Chris, like you see, he controls the whole market. I mean, what, what do you what do you think about all this, Jay? I think you know. The crypto thing is a beautiful thing because I'm not a fan of the SEC. So, um, you know, the fact that they have no pull there, really, I, I'm just so happy to see people making money from it. Uh, as far as he's concerned, um, you know, I saw the, the Tesla short squeeze. I called it at 300 bucks for the people in our room. And uh, I told him where it was going. And he did it 100 years right after the Stutz Bearcat short squeeze. And uh, the guy's not an idiot, you know, he, he knows a little bit about history. It's not that hard to do a short squeeze. I've done about maybe a hundred of them in my time. Um, you know, so it's, it's fascinating to see how he does move price. 
You know, it's, it's just, it's really, really cool to see that. I, I've never seen, you know, I've seen markets where, you know, there's a big group of traders that'll move price, but I've never seen something this new, this, this Bitcoin thing is fascinating because it's, it's almost like the purest, most unadulterated form of price discovery. Mm-hmm. And then you get this guy with all this power, you know, with the ability to move price. It's, it's very interesting. And thing is, nobody can like, he could buy a position and talk it up and then sell it into the buying, which is illegal in, in equities trading. But here it's like, go ahead, you know, like be my guest. You know, it's, it's amazing that it has no, no compliance, no, no regulation. Like as a guy who's, you know, who comes from the dark side of the street, you know, I think it's wonderful. You know, it's, it's, it's such a, it's a beautiful thing. I've always thought Bitcoin was amazing, you know, because let's like Russell, Russell Peters says, you know, it's Jiro, there's nothing there, but now it's worth $50,000 and you're selling it and it's off. It's, it's just beautiful wealth creation. It's yeah, it's it, it, it's crazy to me how ever like people hang on their their every word, you know, to your point, Chris, how oh, he, yeah. he has this much influence and this much power to move it himself or even like uh, JJ, someone like uh, what's his name? Uh, Kamath, Chamath, you know, like the, the, oh, that guy. Yeah. You know, I know he, some of his backs are having some problems, but math moves it. Uh, Mark Cuban came out with Do- with Dodge and, and moves yeah. it. you know, yeah. It, yeah. they've got a little circle of people that can and influence obviously elon is like the head of this head of the snake if you will he can <laughs> he can move a market like nobody yeah talented dude you gotta give him that yeah yeah so it's just, it's just like history repeating itself like you said jj it's just and the packaged you know in a different form where like a tweet can really move yeah it's, it's, i it's, mean we used to spend we used to spend three million dollars on direct mail to get maybe five to one six to one buying now you hit a button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring in two hundred million dollars worth of buying in like half an hour. Uh, I mean, well, your net worth would be five, ten x, huh? Like now, oh my god! If I was doing deals right now, right? Yeah. If I didn't have a ten SP five, I would be <laughs> right. If I were doing deals and using and using social media, oh my god, the liquidity, the liquidity is or the liquidity. Just think of selling a hundred million dollars worth of stock every hour, right? Yeah. Just cash, just beautiful, a hundred million dollars, and the market just takes it and wants more because mm-hmm. the buyers just never stop coming. It's a dream. Mm-hmm. The liquidity in these markets, with all the cheap money printed by the Fed, is a dream. Mm-hmm. And now you have people who this diamond hands, where they'll believe anything you say and hold it forever. So you have stock that you sell that never comes back into your market that you got to clean up, right? You yeah, got these people. Where were those people when I had 200 million shares of worthless crappy stock to sell, right? <laughs> you know, oh my God. Uh, well, you'll find Wall Street bets. You'll, you'll get them. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chris, does, does you know, uh, I guess more, maybe more, I guess to crypto, but maybe to NFTs more specifically, um, does this time, like the excitement, the euphoria kind of around this, is it kind of, uh, does it any like reminiscence of like the early poker days uh, to you? Not really, because poker was, you know, it was on TV. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it was more, you know, social thing. It, for me, NFTs they haven't been really a social thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I get in the Discord chats and, you know, I meet people and stuff like that, but it's not like poker where you're going out and actually engaging. But in this day and time with COVID and, 
what we had gone through. I mean, it was nice, you know, being part of, you know, a community of top shot or whatever it is. It, it was, it was pretty cool, but I don't think it, it doesn't give me the same euphoria. I wouldn't say, um, but I'm also kind of a unicorn when it comes to poker. I was sort of, sort of spearheading that, you know, if I was just some other random poker player, it might be the exact same. So yeah, you're yeah. asking the wrong guy for that question. Probably yeah, the wrong, wrong guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, to, to top shots, I, I think like myself, Chris, I, I've become, t- you know, and it could be just be due to the, the floor dropping, you know, but uh, I find myself a little uh, less and less bullish on top shots. Um, what, what about yourself? Do you think this is just a current phase or like, what, what, what do you think? What are your thoughts on top shots? Well, there's no way that that growth was going to be maintained. I mean, that was insane in February. What we went through was just a, a major spike. I mean, I think with all these NFTs, you're going to see the spike then fall off and, you know, it'll, it'll come back. I think they're going to come with promotions. Um, I, I'm, my problem is I just don't have confidence in the team. I mean, you know, we went for months without being able to withdraw. There are people still can't get their money out. I mean, you know, myself, (laughs) myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's still happening. Ray. Remember I'm still waiting waiting for my, my withdrawal. Yeah. I'm still waiting. Yeah. See, I can withdraw. I can finally, I've been able to withdraw quite a bit and, but I just, someone actually hit me on Twitter yesterday because I was bad mouthing him a little bit about, um, you know, how the value of, I bought a, I bought a pack and I barely broke even on just buying the pack for nine bucks. Like, you know, the, the moments just aren't worth anything, but at the end of the day, I didn't expect the moments to be worth anything. I, you know, you're not going to get $10 for a random moment that there are 30,000 of them of some player that you've never heard of. Obviously, you know, you're, you're, if you have a Kobe Bryant, if they ever come out with that, you have LeBron James, you, you know, you have the stars. If they ever come out with Michael Jordan, those will hold some value. Um, but 90% of the league is probably not going to be worth anything in the future. It's kind of like that with baseball cards. I mean, you know, or in a lot of these cards, I mean, you know, you can probably count the number on hand of how many you want to actually own. And it'll be the same way with these top shots. Now, I think they're trying to add some – utility to it by doing something with the league like you've you know you have to have so many moments and you get something within a game or it'll be interesting to see what they do but again i just i don't really have confidence in the team right now and then the sad thing is i bought flow um through an intermediary because i couldn't buy it in the u.s i had to get someone that lives outside the u.s to buy it and i was really gung-ho it shot up and i ended up selling thank goodness because when i couldn't when i couldn't cash out i sold it because it was really bothering me and uh, it's been since that time. I'm yeah, I'm not bullish on it at all. I think it's I'm I'm ready to get out, um, but I don't want to sell because the floor's so low. I don't want to really sell right now. I'd rather hold and just see what happens. I mean, I think I've got like my my value of my total accounts like 80k right now, um, and I could probably get out of it for that. But you know, I would feel and that's about what I put into it because I've cashed out quite a bit. But um, it feels like it's just really low. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold, I could probably sell all my junk ones that are two and $3. Cause those probably aren't ever going back up, but I've got a couple that, um, you know, I've got a real, really rare. Um, I don't even know which one it was to harden that uh, it was a reward one. I think they're only 64 and I think, you know, it's going for like 15 K right now. Mm-hmm. That one's probably going to be worth hopefully 30 or 40 by the time it, if they ever get it back to, you know, yeah people wanting it yeah yeah because i think that's the problem like we're at a point now the floor is so low it doesn't even make sense right it's like all right i'm gonna hold on to these 
I, yeah, and I'm right. I'm right there with you, Chris. Um, I yeah, I had to go through an intermediary to get flow. Someone in Europe. Um, but yeah, like at being part, like once I really got engaged in the project myself, like hands on, cause I wasn't at first and I'm like, all right, let me get in there. Um, having doubts about the team, I can withdraw. And then I think they're just flooding the market, almost like too many pack drops, uh, and it's just flooding the market. Right. And so to where we're at this point right now, so I, I don't know, we'll see where it goes in the future. That's, sure. that's, you know, honestly, that's what concerns me with Zed too. And, you know, even though I bought these digital horses, mm-hmm. I bought the Genesis, the Genesis because they aren't going to make any more of those. I'm, I'm concerned with the, if, if these horses don't fatigue, age, retire, you're going to have a hundred million horses in the market and you're going to flood the market with horses and it's not going to be worth anything. So, you know, I've actually talked to the team and it's like, you know, you got to do something to, you know, restrict the number of horses that are going to be active in, in your client. Yeah. Um, you can't just have a hundred million horses out there, even if they, you know, Genesis are unique and they're special. Um, if as a new investor, if you can't get a Genesis, you're not going to want to come in and just play with the, the crappy horses um you know people have to be able to get genesis but they also you can't have so many horses that are they're selling so cheap so zed's i think at a really critical point in their future sort of like top shot was in february where i think top shot dropped the ball and they like you said they flooded the market they got they're getting dinged with you know their their uh, queue system and how people couldn't get packed so all of a sudden they start you know, there were Oprah, you get a pack, you get a pack, everybody gets a pack. <laughs> um, and Zed, you know, they're at a critical point now to where, you know, they're going to open up breeding and how, you know, what is that going to do and how, how many horses are you going to be able to actually produce and, and put out into the marketplace? And are they ever going to be able to get tired? And, um, you know, there's so much unknown right now in that, that um, I'm sort of gambling that they're smart people and they, they figure out how to make it have legs and work long term. Yeah. And they do, and they do, they do seem, uh, you know, I like them better than the, the top shot team. I, I think you bring up some really good points. I mean, how would you feel Chris, right? Like, cause I, from what I've read, I don't think they plan on adding a fatigue aspect. I'm not sure yet. Right. I know things are still like subject to change, but how would you feel for someone who spent so much money on Genesis horses that like, Hey, like they might have a, a, a lifespan Would that, you know, how would you feel? Actually, you know, it, it, I did come from an angle of, you know, I don't want my horses to fatigue. I just want everybody else's to fatigue. <laughs> like the Genesis shouldn't fatigue. It's just all the other horses. You know, the Genesis, they aren't going to make anymore. There's 38,000 of them. Those are the original bread and butter of, of Zed. Those shouldn't fatigue. Those should, you know, carry the, the brand or whatever. And then all the horses that you generate – make or whatever those would fatigue now at the end of the day uh, you know you, you got to have something where you know your horse breaks his leg or you know it just you know gets hurt it would stink but you gotta level the playing field some but you also i mean you know you gotta look at it what's your end goal here um as invest as a player slash participant i mean i want to run the horses i want to have fun with it but right now my horses aren't making any money so it's no fun um, so now I have to go to breeding. Well, now if everybody's breeding, then, you know, am I going to make money doing that? Eventually, you know, if I'm not making money doing it, I'm going to go find something else to do. Um, so they got to keep it somehow competitive. They're supposedly going to add weather. They're going to add gate changes. I did hear they're thinking about adding fatigue. Yes. So um, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of trusting that 
you know, I've talked with, I've talked with Top Shot, I've talked with Zed, and uh, I just have a better f- feeling with Zed that they have a better team in place and they have a pretty solid plan um, or, or path that that's actually going to grow where Top Shot should grow. I mean, they have the NBA behind them. They got, you know, they got UFC coming out. I mean, they, they should. They they were in position so well to grow. And uh, so, just just out of curiosity, I'm listening to this, and you said you had this type of a horse, and I'm kind of thinking that's almost like preferred stock, and then there's common stock, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm like, okay, how do we restrict supply, right? Because that's the only way you can get price to go back up is if you restrict supply, Correct. right? So you know, yeah. So if they get sick, that's this is really interesting stuff, you know. It's it's quite fascinating the way this whole thing works, you know. And I'm I'm just looking at supply and demand always because that's what we do when we're trading. You know? Well, it's if like you want to buy a horse, I, I can get you. A, I can get you in rock bottom again. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't buy anything I don't understand. And I, this is my first time because Ray said he was racing digital racehorses, and I, I thought, you know, you know, maybe he had a little Jack Daniels in his Coke this morning or something, you know, and then. <laughs> You know, I mean, what is this digital racing horses? I thought, you know, last time I saw the track with that mechanical thing where the horses go around and around, you know. <laughs> now, I, I look at this and, and this is really fascinating. It's like another market to itself with different supply and demand characteristics and factors that influence supply and demand like news or when a company dilutes a stock and adds a whole bunch of. So a lot of these deals, it seems, or these ecosystems, they come up and then they start diluting. And that's probably what causes people to walk away from them. Well, like you said, Jay, yeah, like same same mechanics. Like, like we're talking about with the yeah. top classes there, they're kind of diluting the market by keep yeah. making more and more cards. And what the good thing is, though, I assume Chris went, you know, so hard on buying the horses and for myself relatively to, you know, to, to the network that I have um, is that they're not going to make any more of these horses. The, all the horses afterwards have to be bred from the horses that we have. And so hopefully there's an added importance to the horses that we have, or at least there should be theoretically. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's been enough talk of the digital horses, <laughs> exciting stuff. <laughs> Chris, uh, you recently, you're, you're, you're sponsored now uh, with America's Card Room. Why don't you tell us about that? You know, um, I was with Poker Stars back for 17 years. That's, it was my sponsor when I won the series and they were a great company. They got bought and sold a few times uh, phenomenal company phenomenal people but the problem i had is after black friday i couldn't work i couldn't actually play on the site um they backed out of the u.s there's only in a couple states i had to travel internationally all the time i was gone 75 percent of the time um if i had to play poker uh if i wanted to play poker i had to travel and go everywhere after black friday happened and when covid happened and we all got shut down um i was faced with this thing where i can't travel and play poker i can't play poker online so what in the world am i gonna do um i discovered america's card room it's a uh, more crypto based mm-hmm. site um it's unregulated but i've met the owner obviously now real well um and they've been in business for a very long time they have very fast pay- payouts I've, I've seen They've segregated the funds. They're really on top of, you know, player security and everything. Everything is just top notch. So I started playing there. I had some success. I get to play from home and came due in December. I was actually coming to the end of my contract with poker stars. 
And I was like, you know what? As great as this company's been to me, I can actually go and work with a company that I believe in, that I have a voice in, that I can t- pick up. You know, when I, when I first joined with Poker Stars, I could, Esai was the owner. I could pick up the phone, call him, and say, "Hey, you know what's up, brother? You know, we'd have a conversation." Um, they're to the point now. They're you know the sister, the the parent company owns FanDuel and um, all these. They own so many things. I can't even mention. I got, I don't know who would be my boss. So um, I like the fact that I can pick up the phone and call the owner. I, I like the fact that my voice is heard. I like the fact that I feel like I have some kind of say, and I feel like the fact that I know the comp the, the direction the company's going. And I like the fact that I get to play from home and I get to spend time with my wife and kids and I can do this and, and actually um, be productive, but also, you know, I'm, I'm essentially a day trader. I sit at home and um, I don't work market hours. I work a little bit later than, than you guys do, but I do the same type of stuff. I'm just looking for good games, looking for good tournaments and, uh, you know, try to make money while I'm sitting in my pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. It, it's, it's a dream, Chris. I, pl- playing at the screen from, from home. Um, that's what I always, I always enjoyed it. I, it's, it's just so much more convenient than going to the casino. Uh, you, you can see more hands, faster pace. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, America's card room, you know, actually like I, um, I got the itch to play not too long ago. I fired it up. You know, I see you're on there. They have like the money maker, you know, they got the series of tournaments going on right now. Uh, they got really good tournament schedule though, uh, around the clock, a lot of good tournaments. Yeah. I mean, we, we're still beefing it up. I mean, you know, we're, we're a growing site. Uh, we've seen good growth. We've got, you know, for anybody looking to get into poker, we've got a great promotion going on. Um, basically we run penny tournaments, every single tournament's a penny, there's no re-entry, no rebuy, so it just costs one penny only, and you get points. You're also going to get paid if you if you win, but you get points. It was really what you're playing for, and if you make the top 30 of a certain week, advances you to the final. And at the end, we're giving a hundred five thousand dollar sponsorship away, to where you'll get cash, tournament buy-ins, things like that, and you know, obviously, a lot of other good perks to go along with it. And it all, it's going to cost you fifteen cents. Um, you know, and you have a one in 360 shot to get it. Cause there's gonna be 360 people in the final tournament and, uh, there'll be other prizes. I'm sure we haven't developed that yet. It's all, I mean, this is the cool thing. I went to the owner. I was like, let's try something new. Let's do this. And he's like, okay, let's go. And he kind of put it together and we've sort of been, you know, every week we get together. It's like, is this working? Is this working? And, you know, we try to change things that may not be working and, um, it's a working process, but we're having fun with it. And uh, we're hopefully going to change someone's life. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. I, I haven't, I haven't paid much attention to the WSLP and what their plans are this year. Um, I guess like one, what are the plans and like, what's, what's going to be your approach? You're going out there. I'm assuming, is it live? Are they holding it live? They're having a live series. It's going to be in the fall. Um, I think it's going to be October, November timeframe. Um plan is currently right now to go out there and participate but i'm gonna sort of play by ear and you know i remember last year you know during the summer months covid got got good and we were you know kind of okay and the fall it came back pretty bad so um you know if you look at the history like the 1918 flu when it came back the second it attacked a completely dem- different demographic of people you got all these different mutations um you know i'm don't know what the fall is going to bring. I mean, are we going to get an Indian mutation that comes from India that's been so bad there? We're going to get it back in the U.S. in the fall. Um, so it's going to, my plan is to go out there and play. 
but I'm, you know, being hesitant based on the fact that I just don't, I mean, I'm an overweight guy. That's a little more middle-aged. I don't want to get sick. Um, I love my kids. I love my wife. My wife's not vaccinated. I am. She doesn't believe that she won, you know, the vaccination is going to be that good that quick. Um, so we have a lot of stuff going on and I don't have to go out and play. So, um, you know, I'll just make the best decision for my family and, um, see if it's worth it. Cause I mean, I would be going out there just because I wanted to go play. It wouldn't be because I have to go play the main event. It's just because I wanted to. So, um, it's on a little bit different boat. Like I would never miss the main event ever. I've never missed it except for this last year when they had it online and I might miss it this year because of, you know, just the situation that we're in. And, you know, I'm not a uh, big, you know, telling people what to do with their, how to handle the virus or anything like that. But I have my beliefs and, you know, it, I, so many people said, well, if you're afraid of it, stay home. Well, I might stay home. I can play online. Nice day. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, the entries now in the main event is insane. When, when you won, Chris, how, how many, how many entries were there? There were 839 the year I won. Okay. And then the next year there were 2,500 and they actually called it, it was the moneymaker effect or the poker boom. Um, and then we, we went from 2,500, we shot all the way up. I think our peak was, I want to say 8,000, 9,000, something like that. Yeah. But we've been, we consistently get seven to 8,000 each year for the last over a decade. Um, obviously COVID changed that, but if we didn't have black Friday, I, I think we would have 20,000 people in the main event. I mean, you know, it, it, it would have blown up, con, you know, it would continue yeah. to blow up. And, you know, as we get more regulation in the U S and people can play satellites and get more back into it, I, I believe those numbers will continue to rise because that's how everybody gets in. No one, there's not a whole lot of people that go out there and just put $10,000 up. Sure. Everybody satellites in. Right. I mean, that's how you get into a tournament is you win your way in cheap. And, um, you know, you have your home game and you send one guy from your home game and he goes and plays for everybody and you split up the prize again, you know, whatever it is. Um, that's, that's what the main event's all about. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's grown in popularity to a point where, um, you know, they're looking for other places in Vegas um, to hold it because it was just, right. it's growing so fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole convention center is humongous. Anyway, it's insane. Yeah. To, to think about it, if Black Friday didn't happen, where would poker been? Because I know even pre-COVID, Chris, uh, a lot of these tournaments were hitting record numbers uh, for entries. Well, which... Post-COVID, I mean, every tournament that they've had post-COVID has just blown every guarantee out of the water. I mean, people yeah. are just dying to get out and play. I, I did go to an appearance down in Houston, and I played in a tournament. I've only done one so far. They had a million-dollar guarantee, and – it was a five day, day one event by the day, the third day, they'd already meet their, met their guarantee. They doubled the guarantee. Um, there was a tournament down in Miami that set every record for WPT numbers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the hard there's rock. records everywhere. Yeah. 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 I've seen that down at the hard rock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got, I got, I got a few more questions. He's kind of like miscellaneous rapid fire stuff. JJ, do you have anything before I get into it? No, fire away. All right, all right. What was Chris? Um, big moment. I mean, it, it being inducted to the Poker Hall of Fame. What, what was that? What did that feel like? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest. I didn't care. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not. It's. Can you tell me who else is in it? Well, I mean, I, I'm sure like Doyle, Chip Reese, um, Phil. I is Phil in there? Phil Ivy in there? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's in it. I mean, I don't, there, there's no, you can't go to a poker. Like, where is it? Where's it located? 
Well, you know, I only know because I, I saw it in Binions. Uh, it's in Binions, right? It's they have the wall at least with the pictures. I know. Yeah, that. but they don't update that. That's not that's not even a thing anymore. They, oh, it's like, awesome. <laughs> so like I didn't I truly just didn't care. I mean, it, it doesn't provide anything for me. It's just an award. But at the end of the day, I doesn't affect me. It doesn't doesn't do anything for me. I yeah. guess it's cool for my kids, I guess. But yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, if I was a poker like junkie and groupie, I'd probably be pumped. I know there are some people that just die to get into it. And it kind of sucks that I got in because I didn't really care. And I know that I have a few friends that really want in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, man, you don't even want it. I'm like, it's, and it's cool. I mean, yeah, it's just nice. I got a cool little trophy over there. And um, <laughs> they gave me a, a dinner. So, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. That's how it always works, right? The, the, the people that want something so bad never get it. And then the people that don't want something wind up getting it. It's funny. It's funny how life works. Well, uh, it's how I got my wife. You know, I, I wasn't really looking. And, you know, she so good looking i couldn't help it whatever <laughs> chris i i saw um it must have been a while ago but you uh you wrote or you were a part of a children's book uh bet big to win big you caught some flack for this first of all i didn't write any children's book i don't know where this comes from so this is fake. what this, so yeah, quite. Sorry, sorry. Quite. Continue. I think someone actually went on to my Wikipedia page and actually put this out there. And I've had been asked in a couple of interviews. I've never wrote in a children's book in my life. It's completely false. I've, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, I was getting flack in an interview about it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I never wrote a children's book. No, I've no. I've never wrote any. I wrote one book, and it was my story of my autobiography. Um, there is no children's book. That would be pretty bad for a. I think a poker player. You know promoting a 21 plus activity to write a children's book yeah yeah I, <laughs> yeah i was curious i was like okay uh, all right wikipedia all right um chris i you it's know it's scary what they can put on there uh, yeah i guess I, I guess so um you know chris I, like i mentioned before man i i can't think of another tournament that like as like just you know fun to watch with so, just so many big moments than the one that you won that that sammy farha bluff it I, I probably most people would probably say like just at least the most notoriety like bluff in history. D can you recount your thought process or just just the, the feelings in the moment? Oh, of course. I mean, it was the biggest moment of my life or one of the biggest moments. I mean, yeah. um, you know, the good thing about this moment is one, you have the ultimate amateur me and you have what seems to be the ultimate pro in Sammy. I mean, unlit cigarettes, slick back hair. He looks like the, the ultimate professional. He's the ultimate bond villain in a film. So it was a really good contrast as far as opponents. Mm -hmm. And then to pull the playoff was, you know, just, you know, whatever. It was, it was the cream on top of the Sunday, whatever. Um, but I was – honestly, I just remember from earlier in the day that Amir Vahidi had said something to Sammy in a hand, and Sammy immediately called when, when Amir spoke. So I remember that from like seven hours previous. And I said, I'm just not going to say a word. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to control my breathing. And I'm going to imagine I'm on a beach somewhere. So I was wearing my shades, um, which I don't wear anymore, but I wore back things. I was really nervous. Um, and I just shut my eyes and tried to imagine I was on the beach somewhere, just doing something other than, you know, throwing away $1.2 million on a hand that was King high, um, or queen high, King high. So, uh, yeah, it was just I tried to remove myself from the situation. Um, again, I didn't know what he was doing over there. I just know he hadn't said the word call yet. So I just 
held on in what seemed like eternity when in actuality it was probably like 45 seconds, which, you know, doesn't sound like much, but when someone's just sitting there staring at you, go play poker and, and stare at someone for 45 seconds. It is a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he sold and I actually sighed out at the end. Like that was actually genuine because I was so nervous. And so like, I was holding my breath, but I was trying to control my breathing but I obviously wasn't doing very well because I had so much pent up nerves. That was a genuine reaction at the end. And uh, I just just remember it's like, you know, this is going to work. This is going to work and uh, go to the beach, whatever, do something else. Oh, yeah, what a what a moment in poker history, JJ. When when you uh, it's funny like when we talk about poker and like when you give me your perceptions of what poker players were like or oh poker players God. that you've known. This guy, this yeah. so the guy that Chris played head to head to win the tournament is like that guy. Like so, what you thinking of a poker player is like his this guy's image, like unlit cigarette, slick back hair. Yeah, it's exactly. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Because my buddy back from the eighties, we were bouncers together in the eighties, yeah. and he. He had a master's degree in anthropology, gave everything up, and he played poker at night, just a degenerate. And he would, I would pick him up. Sounds like a great guy. I love him. Oh, yeah. He's a great guy. He's never played on a computer. He's still doing it. And he, like, these games are in in these Chinese restaurants in Chinatown. Like, but they're in back alleys. And the guys, man, you feel like you're in one of those movies where everyone's got a piece, you know? Like, everyone... You don't want to like stare at anybody too really. You don't look at them in the eye, really. You're just kind of really minding your own business. And it's like nervous when you're in there, you know, and and he and then he'll like make a bunch of money and then he'll lose money. And when he loses money, he's a waiter at a French restaurant and then he gets money together and he plays. And he's been doing this for 30 years. So that's what I knew as poker. And then I meet Ray with the heads up display and the virtual reality and algorithms and all of this crazy stuff going on Different and i'm like where's, though, yeah. your, where's your gun you know <laughs> yeah, where's my don't feet? you guys carry don't you guys carry heat like what's going on here yeah yeah, yeah. different yeah, we're just know? a bunch of nerds that's all we are that's what oh, it really man. is yeah and yeah. this this guy can't even operate a computer which is the funniest thing so he's still doing it in person i don't know he doesn't well i mean honestly live poker and and online poker are completely two different games i mean you're doing the same you're playing the same game but you're really not i mean like like you said you know when you're playing online you have your heads up display you have statistics you have all this information when you're playing live it's staring at someone in the face and you know making yeah 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 so different game uh this this question i got here chris um you know saying in the realm of Farha, and this one's from my, my father, right? He said he heard, um, cause you know, I used, that's how I got into it. Cause you know, me and him used to watch it. So would you, <laughs> we, um, and it, it, uh, I would sit and watch him play like online. I remember the party poker, like sitting back watching him play party poker. And he wanted, he wanted me to ask you this cause he heard the story that I guess during a break in the tournament, it, this is during the heads up. I guess you, uh, you went to the bathroom, you and Sammy, you're in the bathroom and you offered, to split the the prize money with him. And I believe you even had the chip advantage. You had a two to one chip advantage. Is that true? Is this a true story? True story. Yep. We had a two to one chip advantage and I wanted to chop up play, you know, basically we both walk away with 1.65 million or whatever it is because second place was 1.25, 1.3 and first was 2.5. I really didn't want to run a flip against a guy for, you know, half a million dollars or more. And this was life-changing money to me. So I was like, you know, I'm going to talk to him in the bathroom on break and see if he just wants to make a deal. And 
and chop it up. And his response was something to the effect of first thing was, why don't we just put both money together first and second and play for it all. And I was like, well, you know, I thought it was kind of a joke, but turns out it probably wasn't a joke. I think he would have done that. Yeah. Um, but then he goes, well, you know, I think the fact that I'm, I'm more skilled and more experienced, I should get more. And honestly, this was really insulting to me because I had a two to one chip lead and my son's in here. So I can't exactly say what I said to him, but I, I let him have a few choice words and basically told him, let's play. You know, he, it was, it was insulting that he would think that he would deserve more than half. And I was, I thought I was giving him, and I was giving him way too good of a deal for turning it down. Um, But at the end of the day, he actually, I've seen him where he did interviews where he would, he would say that he thought the extra money would add pressure to me, which I get. I I mean, you know, the extra money, obviously if I'm asking for a chop, he's thinking that, you know, I'm going to play tighter. I'm going to play scared. Um, And it was the opposite. He just, he really just pissed me off essentially. And I, you know, I was already a millionaire at this point. So I was like, yeah, let's go. You know, I'm, I mean, your buddy JJ nailed me. I'm a pretty much a degenerate. So you don't, you don't piss a degenerate <laughs> off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I had to make it much, exactly. that much sweeter when you won. I, you know, I, I think, you know, of this story now that being true. And I know Sammy um, playing heads up with Brandon Adams, PLO, because I guess Sammy during these times was like the guy, like the PLO guy. And he played Brandon Adams heads up, but he gave Brandon the button every hand. So like the the arrogance of Sammy is uh, that's incredible. Anybody listening or watching, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah. So, yeah. So people who don't know about poker, that was just an egregious, like giving someone the button in a heads up game, every hand is like, uh, I I don't care how much better you are than the person, Chris. Right. I mean, well, I mean, you you can play some people that you're so much better than that. it, It, you can overcome it, but it's so hard. It, it is such an, you know, poker is in a position game. So basically what you're saying is I'm going to give you the best position over me every single hand. Um, I don't care. You know, if you're playing against a, a competent player, you're going to get destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, to, you know, cause, cause Brandon was this online guy, hot shot. And I guess in that era, a lot of people, you know, like yourself, they didn't respect the people who came from our second class citizens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which, <laughs> the online people have proven to actually probably be better than oh they're so much better so it's not even really a question yeah right um all right chris biggest misconception uh about you in, in the public's eyes oh um i guess that i'm broke everybody thinks i'm broke um i play a lot of one three one two you know hundred dollar buying games I, you know when i do appearances i'm always playing like the cheap games um uh but i do it because that's you know usually i'm paid to be there and i want to play with the fans i don't want to go play in the biggest games yeah. um because like essentially you know 99 percent of the poker players play in small games and uh i an ambassador first and i'm a poker player second so whenever i go and make appearances i'm always playing the the cheap low games and people see that and you know, it's, it's typical in poker. Anytime you see a, a pro that you've seen on TV and they're playing two five or lower, it, it, he's broke. He's got to be broke. Why would he be playing that game? That's just terrible. Um, I will say that over time, people have kind of realized that that's just what I do. So um, that perception has changed a little bit, but um, I think that's the biggest misconception. That and um, I'm, you know, not that educated. I think a lot of people thought I was, you know, just this dumb hick and got lucky and, um, 
maybe I am. I don't know. That might not be a misconception, actually. Who knows? Um, I'm not a Mensa uh, person. That's for dang sure. So, um, you know, that might partly be true. So I don't know if that's a misconception or not. But um, but I think I am a little bit smarter than what most people give me credit for. Maybe yeah. a smidge. Yeah, I, I would I would agree um, from, from talking with you for sure. Um, Chris, uh, an important life lesson that you've learned from a lifetime of gambling. Um, don't let things bother you, you know, have patience, wait for good opportunities. Um, you know, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have good. Um, don't let it affect you, you know, like, you know, don't let it affect your everyday life. So if you have a bad day at work, don't bring it home with you. Um, if you have bad runs, know it eventually turn. If you believe you put the work in, you do the process, eventually it's going to work out. And, you know, I work hard on my game. Um, so I put the time in, so I know at the end of the day, I'm going to be profitable. Even, you know, if I lose, you know, I lose 80 K in a day and you're like, yeah, it sucks, but you know, I'll get it back tomorrow or I'll get it back over time. Um, you know, just the, the ability to just forget it and move on and just realize that, you know, this is what I've chosen to do with my profession. And if I work at it, then I'll be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Trust in the process. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, I guess like last question. Yeah, you uh, you venture at, uh, venture outside of Hold'em at all? Um, any other games? Oh yeah, I play all the games. Uh, I love mixed games. I mean, I think if you're going to be a poker player, especially in today's climate, you have to know all the games. Um, you know, you don't know when Hold'em's going to run its course and people are going to start playing PLO. I mean, PLO's been knocking on the door of taking over for years. I love the game. I play PLO more than I play Hold'em. Um, but if I had a choice, I'd play mix. Um, you know, one of the, the only other event I want to play at the world series this year outside the main event would be the uh, big 50 K mixed event. That's the only one I'm really looking at. I love playing mixed. It's my favorite form of poker because it keeps everything fresh. And to be honest, not many people know how to play all eight games correctly. So, um, if you're ever looking to get into poker, you definitely, the problem is, is you learn all these games and I might play mixed twice a year because it's just not that prevalent. Like you can't play online mix that often. You can't find it in, in a live, uh, in a live setting, hardly at all. So, I um, mean, you can find PLO, you can find other variants, but you can't find the mix too often. Special places like Aria, Bellagio, you know, you know, you can in LA, but it's just not typical. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've always like, from my opinion, I've always looked up to the, to the players who could play, multiple games and I you know it doesn't happen too much anymore but I remember they used to I mean it had been years ago Chris but um on poker stars they would run a lot of the eight games uh the eight game mix where you would get the guys playing heads up versus each other like you know the top guys in the world um yep. and I, I always respected those guys um I, I always loved watching the streams of the the event you mentioned the 50k which I believe it is that an eight game I think that's an eight game mix it, it's eight game yeah it's eight game yeah yeah so I yeah because I think like yeah, taking what you know from one game, applying because there there's similarities like like uh, theoretical concepts that you can apply to all the games. I think. Um, yeah, well, it's all it's every game's position oriented. So yeah. I, you know, it, it all comes down to every single game's a game of information. Whoever has the most informa- information is going to be have an advantage, and so every one of those games, you know, in some way or another, you have position or you have more information than your opponents do, and you have to know how to utilize it. Yeah, yeah, that's why giving away the button is such a bad idea. Terrible idea. Yeah, terrible idea. And that's, uh, you know, I, I enjoy that's what I like about your site, America's card room. Um, when I get on there, the, they, they do have some study. They have some Omaha eight games. So I'll get in the, in We're the working on eight game. I want it. Yeah, I, I've been pushing. I, I'm pushing. I've got 
All yeah. my friends play mixed games, and they're all like, can we get, you know, mixed games on ACR? And, you know, Phil, you know, the, the owner of uh, ACR, he, he is really cool and pragmatical. So as much as I'm pushing him on almost every day basis, hey, let's get eight game, let's get eight game. Yeah. He said, even though I want it, the whole community may not want it, and they want to develop something the community wants, which I completely agree with. So we put out a form and asked 20 different questions as far as what people want. Eight game was one of them. Um, the form's still out there, so we'll see what everybody comes back with. But And they're going to take the top five and prioritize the top five and then move yeah. down the list. So eventually we'll get eight game. I think eight game's going to be in when it uh, should be in the top five or ten. Um, but it may not be the first priority. But I'm, I've been pushing ever since I signed. Yeah. Yeah. No, like you said, yeah, no, I, I would, I would love it. I, I, that would actually, you know, like that would be my preferred form uh, to, to play. Cause like you said, it keeps it fresh and then, you know, not everyone's good at every game. Yeah. 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 Got him. It got yeah. it. It would, it'd be so much fun. And I, I think, uh, I think one of them not on that note, so that, that's going to conclude today's episode of confessions of a market maker. If you guys enjoyed this show, please rate and review it for us. If you'd like to trade alongside JJ, myself and a supportive community of traders, Join us at microefutures.com. Chris, let the people know where they can find you. Anything else you want them to know? Yep, you can find me at America's Card Room. Um, I do travel a lot. I'm on Twitch with C Moneymaker. I, anytime I travel or anything I do, uh, we'll be updated on there. Um, I stream on Twitch three or four times a week now. I, uh, that's the kind of thing I do at home. And, um, you know, again, if you want to come play, um, I'm playing just about every single day on there. You can come find me at the PLO tables or in the tournaments. All right. Awesome. Awesome. JJ. Parting words. Thank you very much for uh, coming down here. I learned a lot. It was uh, very eye-opening. Really, really appreciate uh, the insight. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on the show. It was uh, good talking to people outside of the poker world. It, you know, I always enjoy these interviews that are not just always poker-centric and um, have a little bit different flair to them. So I definitely enjoyed it. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. And so for Chris Moneymaker, I'm Paulie Walnuts. He's the gorilla of House Street. You stop so. Take care, guys. All right.